0: This is the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, a CFCP production with Mike and Laurent. Oh my God, the show must go on. Mike isn't here again. He's still traveling for Thanksgiving and we miss him dearly. I'm having a hard time getting the show going. But on today's show, we're going to do our late review of week 10 of the premiere League. I just want to double check that I have the right week. That was the week that was was week match week 10. So we're gonna be 10 rounds through the league and uh not and uh and cover that stuff off and really just touch on the big points again. Um, you know how I feel about VAR. It reared its ugly head in several results. Brighton-Liverpool, essentially decided by VAR. West Ham-Aston Villa, essentially decided by VAR. And Fulham-Leicester City, also decided by VAR. We now have, on a weekly basis, several, sometimes more than one incident per game that is a VAR-related goal. Either it's a celebration that is stopped or something that seemed innocuous becomes an event. Uh, and it just continues on and on and on. And the reign of Terra does not stop. It continues. Uh, it happened today. Now, it was a relatively meaningless game in the Champions League. Goal chalked off. I was watching City versus Porto, and uh, Gabriel Jesus came on, scored a goal. He wasn't offside. There was an offside three passes before. So, not quite the same, not quite out of the phase, but you know, normally you'd let that go. And I still have the question what are we doing? Who is it for? Why are we doing it? What is its purpose? Who is it helping? Who's benefiting? Is it for the people in the stands? Is it for the people on TV? Is it for the teams? Is it for the gamblers? What is its purpose? Why are we doing this? It's fucking sports. Who the fuck cares? Make it the best entertainment possible. The results don't actually matter. The results don't actually matter. Unless, of course, it's for gambling. And that's the big question. Okay, let's get to the results. Going into the weekend, we thought Chelsea Tottenham would be the big game of the weekend, but that ended up being a nil. Nil stalemate. Uh, both managers feeling good about their n- nil nils. They can spin their narratives the way they want. Mourinho got to do what he wanted to do, which was nullify Chelsea, uh, uh, get a point away from home, which was good. The stats say that it was uh, a better result for for Chelsea. They get to you know, but ultimately, it's Chelsea who spent a hundred million dollars on their team and at home got a nil nil draw uh for for tottenham this keeps them top of the league because the other what ended up being the big game of the week was liverpool won brighton won my guy potter getting it done again uh after getting the nice result against aston villa where they didn't deserve to win they played really well in this game against liverpool um Liverpool had a goal chalked off because of VAR. Listen, Salah had a goal. He should have been through. It was stupid, whatever. Um, Brighton missed a penalty. Uh, That was a legit penalty. That was real. Uh, That was gone off. And then at the end of the game, they ended up getting their draw on a wild kick by Robertson that just, he kicks Welbeck in the foot. Welbeck steps goes another step, and then goes down. VAR checks it, penalty. Listen, nobody thought it was a penalty in the moment, and then, of course, it was a moment. Uh, Klopp, oh, more injuries. James Milner went down, a couple more injuries. The the story out of this game was the VAR and then Klopp's interview with uh, BT Sport, where he just goes nuts a little bit and sort of, you know, complains about having to play Wednesday and then at noon complains about TV and says, Oh, this is what you want. It's a little bit whingy. It's a little bit, you know, I get it though. He's emotional after the game. It's part of his charm. Uh, my guy, Stephen McInerney was a little bit miffed that he was acting like a baby. I, I thought it was fine. I don't think he went too far, but I love, love, love that. Um, that uh, liver that that Brighton got the draw, I thought they deserved it. You know, Liverpool only had six shots in the whole game. Um, Brighton had 11, three on target. You know, not much really going on. Jota scored again. Jota has just like been out of control. Uh, the only real difference is here, you know, um, Liverpool started Phillips and Williams, both young, uh, unknowns. This is Nathaniel Phillips and Nico Williams. You know, they're not you know, household names, but, you know, the midfield is Milner, Wijnaldum, Takumi, uh, Mino, I mean, Salah, Firmino, Jota. I mean, th- th- this is... It matters, but come on. Uh, and then, of course, Klopp's complaining about subs. He's complaining about Chris Wilder. But this is a good drop point for everyone else in the league. So I'm really, really happy about that the other big game was our friends Manchester United uh, coming back in the second half they're down two to Southampton uh, James Ward-Prowse is just fucking incredible sets up the first scores the second uh, and within 20 minutes Southampton are up 2-0 at home they're cruising another terrible performance in the first half to the point that Solskjaer changes makes two changes at halftime he takes off Greenwood and Tellus um, brings on brings on Cavani and Williams, I guess, uh, or brings on Cavani. He makes a change at halftime, and that changes everything because uh, Cavani comes down the wing. Fernandez unmarked for some reason on on a transition, and Fernandez scores a goal. Then Cavani scores two. One of them really late on a really great header. In the ninety second minute, very, very reminiscent of Fergie time, so real quality there, but uh, a good game and again, Southampton are a good team they're not great they're not going to finish top five or whatever, but you know a really good performance. Walker Peters again was a little bit weak in a couple of those goals, not picking people up um, you know and and um and Southampton are still uh, without. but they're holding their own and they're still playing pretty well and that's still a tough matchup like I don't want to play that game and that's a tough game to get through to be fair um my team back in service Manchester City cream Burnley for the fourth time in a row 5-0 at home Mares with the hat trick the team were sharp they looked good uh the big standouts for me were John Stones and um Benjamin Mendy both played for the first time in a long time. Stone's really gaining confidence, and that'll be a big boost. All of a sudden, City's problems are not in defense. They are in attack. City, repeat after me, City probably have the best defense in the league right now. Best defense in the league. They can't score. They're playing a double pivot, so they're protecting that back four because of uh, because of how they've been exposed uh, when they only had the one behind because they don't have one player who can do what Fernandinho used to do. They used to play four, one, four, one, but now they play a more of a four, three, three, but it's really a four, two, three, one. That means that there's two players in front of the defenders protecting them with, with a box uh, so that players don't just go right in on goal. And it's very protective. We're not getting caught on a break, but city really hummed in this game. Uh, it was a really good performance. Uh, a lot of people getting off the mark. Um, Really like to see Stones. I think, you know, for me, I really like Stones because he's English. And I think the Premier League is better when England – it feels better being a Manchester City fan when there's good English players playing for Manchester City. So, Amara scored a hat-trick. Benjamin Mendy got his first goal for City ever, which was incredible. And then Ferran Torres finished it up. So, they were done scoring by the second half ending. Not really a problem. 19 shots, six on goal. A real pasting. And my fears of Burnley are long gone. Uh, I used to be really afraid of Burnley, especially when George Boyd, when they first came up and then went down. They really hurt City a couple times. Um, Other games of note, Leeds again over Everton, 1-0. They scored a goal late in the second half. But this was another one of these. There's two things that get said about every single Leeds game. How is it still nil-nil? It's a basketball game. So Leeds, 23 shots. Uh, Everton with 15 shots. This game, if you want to watch fun, crazy soccer, just watch Leeds. Leeds are fucking incredible. How they did not have more goals is beyond me, but they scored their goal late from Rafinha, who was everywhere and killer. Uh, Again, Bamford, missing goals everywhere. Can we please get Olivier Giroud onto Leeds. I'm going to put Olivier Giroud on like eight teams. He wants to leave Chelsea. I want him on Brighton, and I want him on Leeds. One of the other uh, would be awesome to have Olivier Giroud on either of those teams. I just think he'd just take the chances. Uh, he's at least as fast as Bamford and definitely a better finisher. So uh, Leeds are really fun and exciting. couple of early games. Let's just go through it. Newcastle beat Crystal Palace on Friday. They are now in COVID. They're supposed to play on Friday again. That game is going to be postponed. So who knows what's going to happen with Newcastle. They'll probably just keep it as a game in hand, and they'll just float that. I think that, it, that Europe is in much better shape than something like the NFL, which is a complete catastrophe and half art We have teams that are just floating because uh, the U.S. is completely falling apart with COVID. And we don't care. It's fine. We don't care uh, because, you know, we're American. Why the fuck should we give a shit about anything? Uh, secretly a good game, West Brom. Versus Sheffield, this is a bottom feeder game, a really good game, worth watching. Uh, Lots of shots, lots of chances. Sheffield had 21 shots, uh, and West Brom had 17, 11 shots on target between them. Dude, I I don't know what to do about Sheffield. I really love them. I really love Chris Wilder. Uh, There was a really great video about what's happening. It's really just one link in their their team is missing, and the whole thing's broken. They don't have O'Connell. Uh, in their back line, who was the sort of creator for them uh with Basham and now that's only Basham on their on, as their left center back, you can key on that player and now their whole buildup loses its um its fluidity, and the whole thing is broken. They just can't score goals. I think they hit the post four times, and uh you know fun game up and down these teams will be fighting uh for uh against relegation Gallagher scored a goal sort of a a a young uh, Chelsea Loney. There's like 40 billion Chelsea loanees. They're everywhere. Uh, and then we have to talk about Wolves' arsenal. First things first, there was a major clash of heads. Um, Jimenez and David Luiz clashed heads. Jimenez cracked his fucking skull open really bad. We really hope he's okay. Raul Jimenez, a linchpin of the Mexican Soccer Federation and a linchpin of Wolves. They really need him, but it, you know between Poditz and Neto, two little fast players who replaced Jota between the two of them, they did really, really well. And you know, Wolves just play well, and Arsenal are just terrible. They're really shit right now. They can't seem to create anything. The body language doctor did not like what he saw from Aubameyang. Really, he's at seventy percent, eighty percent. He seemed disengaged. I don't know what's happening with Arteta. He's, 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 he's Paella, Pulis, Arsenal are in real trouble. There's, st- it's starting to spiral again. And, you know, they're in, I will go through the standings in a minute. It's really, really poor. And I'm worried for Arsenal, honestly, the league is better when the big teams are good and having Arsenal be bad is bad. And we don't even have the fun of like Wenger out or anything. I think it's, it's verging on pathetic. Like this is worse than Emory for sure. Um Arteta has a plan. He simply doesn't have the players to execute it, and he doesn't seem to have a way to get out of his own way. Um, It's weird. I don't like what I see there. It's starting – he's starting to lose the team, I think. They really need another – they really need a win badly and soon. Um, And then yesterday we had two games, Fulham 2, Leicester 1, Leicester, after being beat by Liverpool, they thought they'd had a gimme, a layup at home against Fulham, who are awful, uh, can't can't get out of their own way, and they just, you know, drop the ball. Like they can't get anything going. Vardy has a couple flicks on target. Uh, Barnes gets them back in it with about in the 86th minute, but they can't break. Um, they cannot break Fulham down, which is saying something because Fulham are bad defensively. But they've been better lately since my boy, former City player Adebayo, is in the back. They got rid of Tim Ream, thank God. Uh, They've been playing better. They've had some bad results. They've had things go against them. You know, you had the Lookman miss uh, a few weeks back, and they couldn't cover any penalties. But in this game, they got a VAR-assisted penalty. You know, where's the guy going? Why'd you push him over? And uh, Cavalero put it away. That's one of their first penalties. So uh, and and it was good to see Scott Parker. He was pumped. You know, we, we 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 just want stories. We just want interesting things to happen in football. And you know, having Fulham get a win, having the drama happen, they were really good in the second half. They've been they've been better lately. They haven't been getting killed. Uh, I think after the transfer window closed and they shored up their defense, I think they've been a little bit better. Uh, I mean, I expect them to get relegated, but. We'll see what happens. Uh, Obviously, if they get close to relegation, Parker will probably be fired. Uh, But right now, they're out of the relegation zone, and we'll go through the standings in a minute after I cover off the last fucking VAR abomination, West Ham versus Aston Villa. So Villa, two weeks in a row, outplay their opponent and lose. So last week, we talked about Brighton getting a win where they didn't play well, but normally they do. And now this time Villa, again, they just didn't take their chances. And West Ham were really poor in the first half, like really bad and really should have been long gone. You know, the shots tell the story here. Villa with 16 shots, six on target. um, And West Ham with only six, two on target, but the two were scores. So in the first minutes of the first half, corner kick, unmarked, Agbana, boom. West Ham up 1-0. Then um, Jack Grealish gets gets, uh, gets Aston Villa back in the game midway through the first half. Then in all the second half is just – then the second half starts, and boom, Jared, uh, Barahimo comes on because West Ham are getting killed. And so Moyes changes it up, takes off Masuaku, Brings on Barahima, a cross, early cross, really good work there. Onto Jared Bowen, my favorite player on West Ham, and boom, they get another goal. So a goal in the first two minutes of the first half, a goal early in the second half, and this is smash and grab. West Ham just sit tight, sit deep, soak up pressure. Uh, Ollie Watkins, the body language doctor, did not like what he see there. He just had a few chances that he really should have put away Also, Trezegate, also a bad finisher. So they had their chances, Aston Villa. Grealish was fucking incredible, as usual. but um, And then in extra time, the VAR death march of terror comes in. Ollie Watkins getting mauled inside the box, scores in the 92nd minute. VAR comes in after a five-minute check. They call the goal back. I mean, it's just, what the fuck are we doing? His arm sticking out, it's by a sleeve. But even in the photos of the VAR drawings, Agbana has his arm around Watkins' neck. What the fuck are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? VAR blows it again. Yes, he was offside. I get it. But he should have called a foul. It was a penalty. Uh, Again. We want players to stay up. We don't want them to dive. But when you don't call penalties, if a guy doesn't dive, they're going to dive. So that's just where we are. I mean, a penalty is a goal 70% of the time. And a shot is only a goal 20% of the time. You do the fucking math. Dive. If a guy puts his arm around you, throw yourself to the ground. Practice it. It's worth it. Hey, I didn't make the rules of soccer. But you should dive uh, again. Var. I just, it's. I just don't know what to say about it anymore. It's just awful. And you know, let's. Let me just go to the standings, and then I'll do my var. So after ten weeks, a good sample size. So about a quarter, over a quarter to wait. Well, over a quarter of the season done. Because nine times four, oh, oh fuck me. There's almost 40 games, so it's 10. Eh, it's close. Um, Tottenham on 21, ahead on goal difference from Liverpool because they got killed by Aston Villa. So Tottenham and Liverpool tied on 21. Chelsea behind them with 19. Leicester on 18. West Ham, Southampton, and Wolves all on 17. That takes us through to the top seven. Then on 16 is... Everton and Man United, Villa and Man City, 10th and 11th on 15, Leeds and Newcastle on 14, Arsenal and Crystal Palace in 14th and 15th on 13, then Brighton in 16th, Fulham in 17th out of the relegation zone, then West Brom on 6, Burnley on 5, and poor Sheffield cut adrift. Cut adrift on one point. The worst start to a Premier League season ever, ever. Uh, but let's get the the expected goals version of it. So it's Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, West Ham, Southampton, Wolves, Everton, Man United, Aston Villa. That is your top 10. Everton and Aston Villa are dropping, though, along with Southampton, while City and Leeds are on the way up. But let's get the expected goals standing, just to give you a different sense of where the quality is in the league because it just changes it just a little bit, just a little bit. So you can get a sense of what's really happening in terms of the quality of the team. So the expected goals per 90 standings are Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, after our big, big game the other day that really bumped us up, Aston Villa, Tottenham, Brighton, Leicester, Men United, Everton, Leeds. So it's a little bit different. Uh, West Ham drops out. The bottom three are still the same. Still Sheffield, Burnley, and West Brom. Sheffield, Burnley, and West Brom. But Sheffield United are the, wor- are the best of those three, and West Brom are the worst of those three. So uh, let's see. Expected goal difference, does that change anything? No. So, you know, Leicester in the top four should not be. They should be worse than that. And then, weirdly, Brighton, Aston Villa, and, and, Man, U, and Man City, they, City has a big result that really pumped them up, and so does Villa because they have that 7-2. But they really – and then they've had two games where they should have won but didn't. So, you know, expected goals difference just gives you a sense of, the quality, I think, of the play, of the teams and of the of of the performances gives you a different sense of the quality of the performances. Like, should they have won? Um, uh, in the past, Arsenal have been the kings of this. If you remember Wenger era, it was always really nice, and they just couldn't finish because he wouldn't spend money on a striker, <laughs> or if he did have one, he sold him. And then it's gonna expected goals is going to reward teams that keep attacking. So if you run up scores like city do, uh, then you're going to have a good expected goals because attack gives you, you know, if you play to the minutes, but if you hold a two goal lead and then you try and see it out, your expected goals is not going to be as good. So uh, it's going to depend on the management and how the team plays, right? Because it doesn't, account for what the score is it just sort of says could you have scored a goal right uh if you're okay defending one goal leads or two goal leads expected goals is not going to favor you while you know liverpool's had some big games or you're attacking a lot you're creating chances city have been the kings of this even though defensively they've been weak okay mike will be back on thursday but oh quickly let me just uh get into some champions league stuff i know uh, there's, there's only one storyline right now. Most of the spots are, are squared away. But the big storyline is Real Madrid losing to Shakhtar may not make it to the next round. Uh, Inter is also save their ass today. Uh, so in that group, Inter and Real Madrid were with Shakhtar and Borussia Mönchengladbach in ger- from Germany. And it was assumed that it would be Inter and Real. But Real's terrible. Inter can't win anything. And so, uh, group uh, group B has Bruce Munch and God Block on top with Shakhtar in second. Real and Inter holding up the rear. So there's one more game in the group and somebody big is going home. Uh, so that's an interesting group. Um... um Atletico drew with Bayern, and that was a sad performance because because Bayern didn't play anyone good. City drew, but they won their group already. Liverpool had a good performance against Ajax and got themselves through. They should be good, and they played the kids, so that was good for them. A lot of games are being played tomorrow. The big game being uh, United versus... Who's United playing? Oh PSG. <laughs> United versus PSG, that's a big game. Uh and that could end up with that group being all square with three teams on nine points. So there's still a lot to play for. This is the group stage. You know, there's a lot of flawed teams this year. I wouldn't say there's a dominant team aside from Bayern. Uh but one of the things that happens to Bayern is that because their league is so easy, their seasons are completely based on what happens in the late rounds of the Champions League. And if they don't win, then it's a failure. So that happens to PSG too. And I don't think PSG are very good. So uh, we'll see what happens. City are through. All the big teams are through, except for this big, big issue for Real Madrid and Inter Milan. So that'll be what comes up next week. Inter won 3-2, but they still were shaky. And Real Madrid just completely collapsing. Uh, Zinedine Zidane could get fired by the soon if he wants to, you know – Real Madrid are a very different club. They're owned by the shareholders. It's a public – it's like a YMCA team that's owned by 50 million people. Okay, Uh, that's the show. Mike will be back soon, and we will speak to you later for the preview of the week and go through these Champions League games if anything interesting comes up. Bye. That was – The Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Mike Salerno and Laurent Cortines. This was a Crap Football, Crap Pundit production. We will return on Mondays and Thursdays for the Premier League season. We will talk about soccer and other things that interest us. Mike is crazy. Laurent is insane. That's why it works.